Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to the 201st episode of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. How's it going? It's going fantastically great for the last day of the first month of 2022. How's your first month? It was great. It flew by and we're getting busy again and everything's good in my world. Did you dip a little in business the first part of the month? Yes. Yeah. But I was grateful. Yeah, I've been hearing everybody has and every lab enjoys hearing that it's not just them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they also enjoyed that they weren't as crazy busy as they've been lately. Yeah, uh, it was nice. I enjoyed it. Took a couple days off, chilled out a little bit. And now we've ramping back up. And guess what, Elvis? What's that? We're having Arctic weather. And they, they actually said Arctic weather here in Tampa Bay tomorrow. Wind chills in the 20s. Shut up. Really? Yes. I'm going to go for a run in that. I can't yeah, you it. will. I want <laughs> you to because I want you to experience it. I still wear shorts, though. I just put on more layers. Of course. No can do. But I'm going to have to check it out. We've been down in the single digits here. It's Ugh. stupid cold. I will run as long as it's not icy. Yeah. That's when I have to stop. Yeah, you might fall and hurt your shoulder again. Yeah. Yeah, I actually got to go for a run when we were out in Las Vegas at Visions 21. Ah, let's talk about that, shall we? Yeah, how was it? Did you have a good meeting? Did you enjoy it? It was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Like... I needed to get away. I needed to see my like-minded, great friends and just all the networking. The speakers were killer. I I really had a good meeting. Yeah, it was a really good turnout. Yep. I thought it was a great meeting also. What I really enjoyed seeing was a lot of young lab owners there. Yep. It's nice to see that next generation still be involved and go to these type of shows. I agree. Big shout out. Nice work to the BMC committee and the NADL for another great visions. I can't wait for next year. Ditto. And I tell you, the hotel, it was at the Area Aria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still don't know what it's called. Of course. <laughs> that hotel was huge. I know. It, it I was, was lost 90% of the time. <laughs> well, you are male. Well, Sorry. yeah, that's true. Just that's saying. True. No alcohol involved. I just got lost. Seriously. I did not for once. I went for a run on the strip, did eight miles, did another two miles to try and find my room. That's oh how bad it was. God, <laughs> That's horrible. Also, less than a month away from LMT Lab Day Chicago. Yipper. It's a pretty exciting. There's a lot of news out there that some companies are pulling out of Lab Day. But let's remember the companies that are still going to be there. It's going to be an amazing show. I highly recommend to everybody and anybody, if you can go, go, go support it. We got to get this industry back up and running. Agree. I've asked a lot of people and a lot of labs say they're not going this year, but I really think it's going to be a great show, even if it doesn't have as many people. Well, from my experience, a lot of technicians, you know, varying degrees of opinion on the whole have to be vaccinated to eat thing yeah i just don't really want to go and starve so i mean (laughs) i think that's a big hindrance for people because even if they want to go can't eat can't drink can't go to the bars can't go to the restaurants i mean that kind of sucks it does it does i am willing to do personalized room service delivery for everybody wow yeah are you gonna do it for me if i need to sure 
Okay. Yeah. Take care on that. You just pick the restaurant. I'll run and go get it. Bring it to your room. It'd be great. Cool. This is a service that Voices of the Bench will provide for everybody. <laughs> so make sure you do come find us because there's no mandate required to go to the exhibit hall. So we're going to be at the Preet booth in the West Exhibit Hall. Barbara and I will be there all weekend talking to anyone willing to sit down and be on the podcast. And you're going to grab everybody you can, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. This week, we're not talking about ourselves or technicians that are in the UK, as we've done the last couple episodes, but we're going to our neighbors to the north, to Canada. Danny Ferrargo joins us this week from her family lab in Toronto. Danny is another amazing technician that uses Instagram to showcase all of her beautiful work. She talks about growing up with her technician father, going to George Brown College to get her RDT, the importance of quality control, and some helpful hints that she's picked up photographing her restorations. So join us as we chat with Danny Ferrargo. And now a special message from our good friend, Norbert Ulmer from Grow3x. If you want to save and also grow, Grow3x is where you should go. Resins to print night guards for high impact and flex. Look no further because we have them at Grow3x. Burrs for your mills, zirconia for your crowns. With Grow3x, you will be the hottest lab in town. And last but not least, if you seriously want to grow, at Grow3x aligners and your doctors will say, wow. Be sure to check out all Grow3x has to offer at Grow3x.com. That's G-R-O, the number three, X.com. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast. Thank you. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. All right, we're ready to get started? I am. No, but yes. <laughs> no, but yes. I can already hear your voice. Voices from the bench. The interview. Oh, the <laughs> so interview. I'm, I'm ready. I have it in my head. There the you interview. go. What do I need? Pronunciation of last name. Farago? Farago. 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 I love Make it. Make sure you record that because every time we do our intro, we always forget. He always yeah, forgets. I ask and then I get it wrong. Farago. I ask every yeah, time. Yeah. I still get it wrong. Danny Farago. Danny Farago, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am alive and well, thank God. We survived <laughs> the survived the Christmas rush, still breathing. Oh, I don't know if I am. I'm still in no. the Christmas rush. So let people know we are actually recording the 28th. So we're, we're right. between the Christmas and the new year. Your rush is right. over? Not over, but the, the mo- most of it is. A lot of yeah. the dentists are kind of on vacation now or kind of slowing down. So the it's less of a rush, there a slow you go. rush. <laughs> it used to be like that for me. I used to wait until this week and then it would calm down in January, that first week. But God, mm-hmm. it's not like that anymore. It's still no. Nice. No. So you're, you're still busy. Yeah. Very, 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 very busy. I hate oh. it. It's my Christmas hell. You hate it. I always b- at Christmas. I hate it. But I love Christmas, but I hate the industry during this time because it's nuts. I don't know. It's it's kind of my Olympics. I love it. Like I kind of look forward to it because time goes by so quickly that it's almost enjoyable. That is true though. The days do fly by. I will not argue with that at all. 
like it's almost 2022. Holy shit. No. <laughs> what do you mean we're still not in 2020? I'm yeah. not ready. <laughs> no, I'm not ready either. It's 2022 almost. We're a few days away. So happy new year. Happy almost new year. Yeah. Again, filming on the 28th, but <laughs> almost new year. Close enough. So Danny, let's talk about now you're in Canada, right? You're in Toronto? Yeah, Toronto, Ontario. So how did you get into the industry? How did this all happen? So I don't really, I don't know if I mention it often on Instagram, but I actually work for my parents. So my dad's been a technician for over 30 years. Nice. Uh, and my mom's on paperwork. She's runs the finances of the lab. Oh, so it's their lab. Yeah, it oh, is. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we're a crown and bridge lab. Just stick to fixed prosthetics. And I was like 17. I was in school. I was finishing high school and I had no idea who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. I was kind of leaning. To, I for sure want, knew that I wanted to be in something that was artistic, something where I worked with my hands. I was leaning towards being a hairdresser for a really long time. Really? For a really, really long time. Yeah, for years, actually. I was really looking forward to it. But around the end of high school, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I wasn't the, the greatest with people. <laughs> so that's kind of like mandatory to be a, a hairdresser. So I kind of voiced my my concerns to my parents. And, you know, they, they had a, a lab. It was very new at the time. But they said, why don't you apply for the dental technology program? And my first reaction was like violent. I was, I said, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I grew up in that community, or rather my dad was watching the he would go through sure. as a technician. And it was one of those things where he would be gone to work when I was in the morning, when I was waking up. And when I was going to sleep, he was still at work. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So, you know, he was working like 18 hour days at the time. And remembering that, I said, no way. Like, why would you wish that upon me? Why would you want me to, to have that kind of life? But again, it made a lot of sense because my parents and I are really close. We, we have a very close relationship. We're good friends. They're, they're my best friends, really. So they said it would make sense for you to continue the family business. We wouldn't wish that upon you maybe if we didn't have a business because it's, it's hard to get into the industry, right? It's, yeah. mm -hmm. it's difficult if you don't know people. But they said, why don't you just apply? See what happens. Just apply. And it was the only program I applied to. Didn't apply to anything else, just George Brown College Dental Technology Program, class of 2017. And you dropped the whole touching people's heads thing. I mean, you were just yeah. done with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it was, I was kind of at a fork <laughs> where I said, if I get into the program, great, then I'm going to be a dental technician. That's awesome. I'm going to continue the, the family business. If not, then I had something to fall back on, which is something I wanted to do anyway for a few years. And I got in, thankfully, me and 50 other people. Wow. That's a big class. It is and it isn't because what the professors then told us, hundreds of people applied. Oh, really? Hundreds and hundreds of people. So I think we were supposed to start with 50, but somehow we started with 52 people. So two people somehow snuck in there. Yeah. Were you number 52? Did you sneak in? Uh, maybe. I was right <laughs> on the bottom of that roster. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to ask that, Elvis. Yeah. I, I snuck in for sure. I was on the bottom yeah. of that roster. But I decided, f*** it, I'll apply. And I got in. And that was kind of my fate. It, my, my fate was decided for me. And I still remember when, when I got in, my parents were super excited. And my dad started taking me to the lab to teach me the, the basics, model mm -hmm. work, and waxing up copings, just small things so that I don't go into school completely blindsided. 
I still did. I was still blindsided, but at least I had a little bit of knowledge. Sure. So I was doing model work and it was sloppy at best. And I still remember my first wax up. My dad gave me some model that was lying around. And I remember it was a first molar, upper Mm. first molar. And he said, do a wax up. Just try to copy the adjacent side. Do your best. He gave me a bunch of waxes. Didn't explain to me which one was which. So I was probably waxing up with like green sticky wax. It was, it was a mess. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the guidance. Yeah. So he gave me this model and he these waxes and said, try your best. So I remember sitting there for hours. You know, I was there for maybe four hours trying my best and carving out the anatomy. Looking back, it was probably garbage. But <laughs> at the time, I was super proud of it. Four hours, huh? Four hours for my first wax up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So, and my dad was working, you know, he was minding his own business, just letting me struggle on my own. Sure. And I remember going up to him and giving him that model and he put on a whole show. Like he was looking at it from all angles, up, down, side to side, making all these mm-hmm, mm-hmm noises. <laughs> you know, <laughs> making wet. me think that I succeeded in something. <laughs> so I was like super proud. And he was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I put separator, right? So he can remove it because the next step would be to cast. He would teach yeah. me to cast. So he removed this, this wax up and he was looking at it through the light and he was putting on this whole spectacle. He looks me dead in my eyes and crushes in his big fat sausage fingers, crushes my creation, my art project, my Mona Lisa of a tooth. He crushes it, crumbles it onto the floor, looks at me, and with his thick Russian accent goes, do it again. Uh, I knew that was coming. Jesus. Oh, my God. And at that moment, I saw all red. I was so angry. I was devastated. I went through a whole like existential crisis right then and there. I doubted every decision I've ever made in my life. And <laughs> start cutting hair again, right there, then. And there. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, I chose the wrong profession. <laughs> and at that moment, I was so angry. I was just imagining using his bald head <laughs> as a bowling ball. <laughs> I was so done. And I thought, like, that took four hours and I have to do eight units a day. <laughs> How does that make sense? How is that possible? That There's no way. So I went back to my desk with this model and that's now missing a wax up. And I sat there staring at a wall for a solid 10 minutes, just contemplating everything that every decision I've ever made in my life. Hmm. And I started waxing up again. <laughs> and that's kind of how I got my start, just sitting in the lab struggling even before school started this was in the summer before school started doing model work and all of that so did he explain to you after the fact that he was just trying to be a tough guy and that because you said you guys are super close like what was the lesson Mm -hmm. he was trying to teach you and now that you know him and now that it's passed he didn't tell me for a long time he just crushed it and I had no idea why I mean I realized that you know it was probably too just kind of continue working and continue practicing, but he didn't really explain much to me. <laughs> he just kind of let me feel that disappointment, my first real adult disappointment, hmm. my first real disappointment in my career. Wow. Later, I think it was way later though, that he explained to me, like it was, it was garbage. It was garbage mm-hmm. and uh, you just have to keep trying and keep working at it. And I did. He lit a fire under my because I'm very stubborn. So I wanted to prove to him that I can make a a nice wax up, one that he won't crush. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many did it take before you made one that he didn't crush? <laughs> oh, I can't even tell did you. Did that happen again and again and again? It kept happening for sure. I was scared to oh. go up to him at that point. Oh. <laughs> I was scared to show my wax ups, but uh, eventually I got the gist. He, he was trying to... <laughs> He was trying to teach me a lesson without really telling me the lesson, but I got the gist and we're very close, but working with family could uh, be tough. Yeah, It could be tough, right? Uh, Barb, you mentioned in a, in a different interview I was listening to that you also worked with family. You worked with your dad, right? No, I worked with my dad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it can be tough. We're close, but there's good days and there's bad days for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm still very lucky to have them supporting yeah. me and kind of backing me up. A lot of people don't have that. Are there any non-family members in the lab or is it just family? Yeah. Okay, so no, there's buffers. Uh, we, <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we can't be too loud, right? Because there, there's people listening. Yeah, we have two other technicians. So we have uh, someone doing like the metal work and model work. She, she runs like every department. She's all over the place. She does metal work and she seats zirconia, does Emacs. So she kind of does all that buffer, as you said. And we have one other porcelain technician. Nice. Yeah, it's a small lab. So if quality control was so important to your dad, do you carry on that tradition? Oh, yeah, for sure. In our lab, for each case that we do, we make multiple contact models and single dies. And we make sure that the restoration fits on all of them, no matter how many we make. We will not send out a case if there is a discrepancy in even one of the models. And we call our lab a boutique right? So we focus a lot on quality over quantity, which is why we decided to mainly stick to the crown and bridge lab niche rather than be full service, which was something that we debated right in the beginning when we were uh, starting up. And quality control was the first thing I learned when I started working full time after finishing college. And it's an important aspect of being an RDT, but it's also the biggest thing that we focus on in our lab. So with digital being introduced more and more into the lab setting, there isn't much that'll make you different from your competition besides price, right? And in my opinion, quality control is what really makes a lab stand out. So when you pour up models, are you doing like second and third pours and still having them fit on those? Yeah. Yeah. So we do... That's hardcore. (laughs) It is. It is. A lot of the time we do two contact models, multiple single dies, and we work on a main model. And we have like five or six models scattered around as well. So we make sure that everything sits everywhere before sending it out. It's a lot of work, but it's what really, I think, makes us stand out. And I'm guessing with printing... That makes your life a little bit easier. It does, because when you have especially a printed model, the contacts won't rub away when you do multiple bakes the way a stone model does. Sure. Yeah, when we do get PBS impression, we'll just make a bunch of stone models. And doctors like spend minimal time seating and adjusting a crown because of this process that we do. So we kind of give ourselves a hard time, but we want to make sure that our doctors have it as easy as possible because their job is already really, really difficult and stressful. And the less time a doctor spends seating and adjusting a crown, the more the patient will trust the doctor. Because it doesn't look good when you deliver a crown and the doctor is sitting there adjusting in the mouth. And patients get nervous, right? A lot of them don't know that there's a dental tech somewhere making this restoration. They just assume it's the doctor making it. Oh, yeah. They absolutely blame the dentist for that extra hour they had to sit there. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of patients get really nervous. Like, why are you trimming? Why are you making these adjustments? Does it make my crown weaker? Is it my fault? Did I do something wrong? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's my teeth fault. So I think that our main job as technicians, besides creating beautiful work, is to make the doctor's life easier. And at the end of the day, no matter how beautiful the work is, if it doesn't fit, it's useless. You have to remake it. So how long it takes you to QC a single crown? Are you talking hours you spend looking at this thing under a microscope or not hours, but until it fits. So sometimes it could be five minutes, you know, especially if the the zirconia already comes with, you know, really good settings and it seats really quickly. We spend maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes if it's just a single full Z crown, but uh, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we spend up to an hour just on a single crown. It's a full-time job. On a single crown. Wow. Sometimes. It's rare, but sometimes. And do you send it back to whoever did it? Or what if it's you? <laughs> sometimes we'll send it back to like the porcelain technician, for example, if there's needs to be contact adjustments or there's an overextending margin because of porcelain. A lot of the time, it's just whoever's QCing. They'll just make the adjustments and spend their time on it. So that's either me or my dad. Yeah, very common. Just let the QCer fix it real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're the ones that sit in the lab until like the latest from everybody because we're <laughs> checking other people's work. And if there's any issues and we need to send that crown out tomorrow morning, we're not going to wait to give it back to the porcelain technician or whoever made that mistake. We'll just fix it ourselves and send it out. Got to keep it moving. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock. Get back in here. I found a spot. We're not that evil. <laughs> Is he still QC in your work or do you QC your own work or do you guys have somebody in there that's doing that job? No, he, he doesn't trust anybody with quality control. He's still the quality <laughs> control. He still takes that on himself, but he's, yeah. he's teaching me. So he's sick of it. He told me, I am so sick of looking at all this under, no matter how many times I teach you guys, you still do the same mistakes. I'm so sick of all of you. Please, can you take this job away from me? So he's at his wit's end. So he's teaching me quality control. And, you know, we, we sit many hours in the night where he teaches me these small little details that I need to know if I, if I want to keep his doctors, if I don't want the doctors to run the moment he retires, which, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to retire. Yeah. He's going to be 120 and he's going to be sitting in the lab. That's what I said about mine. <laughs> you know, is, is your dad retired now? Yeah, finally. But he still came back to trim dyes for years and years and years part time. If mm -hmm. we would need him, he would come in and he would do quality control and trimming of dyes because that was just his thing. And he was very, very, very fast and very good at it. Yeah. So finally. Yeah. He's 80 something though. So you have a while to go. Take us back to school. We kind of got off of that. So you yeah. enrolled in school. So what was that? A two-year program? It's a three-year program. So I was there from 2014 to 2017. And then uh, I got my RDT in 2018. So did you fall in love with ceramics then in school? Oh God, no. Oh God, no. <laughs> so school was, uh, it was difficult. So when we came, it was surprising because most of the class didn't know what dental technology was. You were probably the only child of a lab owner there. No, th there was a couple other ones Oh, really? There. Okay. Yeah. A child or their, their grandfather was a lab owner or uncle or whatever it was. Yeah. But I still remember on the first day, the teacher or the professor, he asked the 52 of us, who here wants to apply for their RDT, which is just the license you need to, to run a lab here in Ontario? And I think maybe five or six of us raised our hands. The rest of the class was like, what's an RDT? Mm. So they had no idea what they were in for. They had no idea what program they applied to. Students started dropping like flies. Wow. 
And the first semester was mostly theory. So I think that also scared a lot of people off. It scared me for sure. Yeah. And we had to learn terminology like really, really quickly. Tooth names and numbers, face and neck anatomy, microbiology, lab health and safety. We had to learn things I didn't even know we had to learn. So first semester was mostly theory and a lot of our exams were theory and we needed 60% to pass, but you needed 60% in the written components and you needed 60% in the technical like project components. Hmm. So if you had a 90 in your projects, but you were had a 50 in your theory, you failed that semester. So if you failed even one class, you had to redo the whole semester over the following year. Jesus. Yeah. I would have just gone down to America and got a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, a uh, that's the easy way out, Elvis. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> taking the easy route. We don't care about necks here. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we, we care a lot about necks in Canada here. Apparently. I can see where you'd lose some students like that, you know, just oh, my God. and getting, you know, bummed and missing it by two points and then having to redo everything. Yeah, that sounds yeah. tough. We had a few students fail and come back and then uh, they would fail a different class. Uh, And again, uh, I don't even blame them. I I had a lot of help. I had a lot of support. I had a whole support system behind me and I wanted to drop out so many times Mm. because I have passion for my job now, but I definitely didn't back then. I had no idea what I got into. I started missing like... I should have become a hairdresser for sure. (laughs) I started missing it, that idea. And I wanted to drop out so many times. And I think at some point in second year, my mom pulled me aside. She she took me outside and she looked me in my face and she goes, do you want to be a technician? Do you want to be here? Because you look miserable. You, you, You look like you hate it. And at that point, I've already completed two years. I was, it was in the summer between my second and third year, and I did not want to be there. At that moment, my fight or flight activated. I wanted to run so fast. I wanted to take that opportunity to be like, thank you. Somebody noticed how miserable I am. Oh, I do not want to be here. And of course, it was your mother. It was my mom. Yeah, my dad was completely like, oh, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Voice but, of reason. Right. But my mom was like, listen, we have big plans for you and and we want you to succeed and we want you to be happy. And if we're going to be like investing in you and helping you and doing all this for you, you you have to want to be here. Right. You you have to have some sort of passion for it. And at that moment, I just I wanted to say, Ma, like I made a huge mistake. I I, I want out. But I'm also really stubborn and I'm like, I already finished two years. I've already been miserable two years. What's another year? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, yeah. and plus half of third year is in the lab. Half of third year you do placement. So you're not even in school. You'd be at your parents, right? I actually did placement in another lab. Oh, interesting. Enough, yeah. Okay. I was able to learn from another lab, but it, there was just one year left. I thought, what's the difference? Okay. A little bit more money, a little bit more time, but I, I might as well finish, get my diploma or my certificate or whatever it is, and I'll be out of there. So I told my mom, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm fine. I'm completely fine. <laughs> she asked me a few more times after that, but I'm too stubborn. I'm, mm. I'm too stubborn. So I, I went back to third year. I finished it. I didn't learn to love this profession until maybe a couple years ago, because how can you love something that you are not good at? It's very difficult to convince yourself that you love something when you're not good at it. When in your head, you have like this idea and this vision of what the crown's going to look like at the end, but then your hands 
can't perform. I don't know if you've, you guys ever had this thing where when I was a kid, I loved to draw. So in my head, for example, if I wanted to draw a horse or something, in my head, I would have this beautiful stallion running through the meadows with its mane blowing in the wind and this beautiful artwork. But then when I sat down, there was just shit on paper. Yeah. And my That's idea me. in my head wasn't <laughs> translating in my art. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. I only really started to love this profession when I started getting good at it. And when I started putting more passion and time into it, because mm -hmm. more than anything, porcelain takes time. Yeah. It takes energy. It takes sleepless nights. It takes experimenting with different effects. Like we, we use Ivoclar porcelain in our lab exclusively. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of me sitting around and playing with the effects and playing with internal staining and building up over and over and over again and throwing it away and trying again. And I'm fully aware of how privileged I am to have that opportunity. Not a lot of our people have the opportunity to waste porcelain and just throw it away. Yeah, It's not a piece of paper you crumble up and throw in the trash, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's expensive. Oh my God, it's expensive. So my parents didn't care. They said, just sit there, waste porcelain. We'll just buy more. Just put your all into it. And only when I started experimenting and photographing my work and kind of not comparing myself to others, because that was a, a big problem for me that I would compare myself to someone else and say, well, how am I ever going to be as good as this person? Mm -hmm. How am I ever going to have porcelain work? Even if I become as good as them, they already by that time will become even better. It was this comparison game for a very long time. And that's what was bringing me down, I think. But then when I started comparing today, Danny to yesterday, Danny was when I really started to excel. Because every day, if I even improve by 1%, by the end of the year, I'll be 365% better than I was the previous year. Wow. Well said. Right. So, so uh, once I started working on myself and not comparing and kind of, I put these horse blinders on and I just tried my best and I sat there working and working and we are our own worst critics, right? In, in this profession, I think right. everyone. For sure. Right. No matter how much someone criticizes you, you will, you, you've already said it twice in your head. You're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that already. Oh yeah. From me. Ditto. Yep. <laughs> I started loving really this profession when I dropped that comparison and when I started putting in more time and more passion and more energy into it. But going back to school, we only, I think sometime, I don't remember, I think in second semester, first year, we started porcelain slowly. Mm. I didn't love it then. I definitely didn't. And we were also working on metal frameworks. So there was that whole learning porcelain butt margins and opaquing and degassing. And there was that learning curve. Yep. That was difficult. I, I definitely didn't like porcelain then. I think sometime at the end of second year was when I really started seeing the artistry in it. I really started to see what can be done with it. And we were also very lucky that in school, George Brown, they provided us with some of like the best materials. I was very surprised because they provided us with expensive stuff. Like it wasn't just dollar store brushes where we were struggling. Yeah, we, interesting. We got like Kalinske hair brushes. We got uh, wow. Renford porcelain palettes, all Brassler burrs, right? Nice. Those are expensive burrs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My parents were surprised. They're like, wow, you're getting this equipment and these materials that seasoned veterans don't have in this industry. And I think at the time, I think they were providing Vita porcelain. I could be wrong, but I think we were working on Vita porcelain then. It was interesting. <laughs> cool. Oh, there she is. Yeah. There she is. <laughs> I missed her. I needed it. Mm -hmm. All six of she's. Yeah. All, 
Do you have he's? <laughs> There's a couple he's in there. It's yeah. just being smart ass. Um, yeah. he's too. Yeah, so school was interesting. I was glad when I graduated, though. I was glad to finally be 100% in the lab. And uh, and after school, so we would have eight to 10 hour days. We had four day school week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we always had one day off. Every semester we had one day off. But that one day off was just used to for projects. We never really had a day off. It was always to complete projects. So did you have to like submit like a layered central or like a, a posterior with a butt margin how did the oh yeah what was the, uh, for school like to pass on your finals like what was it like to do that what did you have to do I know you had to test but also did you have to submit work yeah we had to submit work I don't remember exactly what it was I remember we had centrals I remember we had three unit bridges a lot of the time we didn't I don't remember doing veneers Probably not. I don't remember. Yeah. I think we did Emacs crowns maybe once or twice, but it was mostly metal work. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember, to be completely honest. Blocked it out, huh? I remember my RDT, they made me do a central and a three-unit bridge for the porcelain and crown and bridge uh, section of my RDT. I, I had to do a central and a three-unit bridge. That I remember. Yeah. It was all right. <laughs> it wasn't great, but I passed. Uh, I was surprised, but I passed. Would your dad have crushed it? That's the question. If he could have, he probably would have. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Because I couldn't take that work home. I submitted that work. And the way the RDT works is that the college will send like a box of our work to a lab with, without a name. And we just have a number. And they send it to a lab, like a real lab here in, in Toronto or, mm-hmm. or in the vicinity. And lab owners will mark our work and as if we work for them, basically. So if, if we give passable work, they'll pass us. So it's not even the college marking us. It's not professors. So there's no like bias. It's just random labs that will get our work. So whoever got my work, thank you so much. I passed (laughs) on my first try. That was great. And you have no idea who it was. No, that's no, it's weird. Like, that's that's yeah, kind of neat. They're not allowed to tell us, but I passed on my first try, which is which is rare. I was really excited about that. I but I took a year off after school. A lot of people they finish school in April, and then I think the exam was like in July. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel ready at all. I was pretty bad at, well, dentures, I think was the one thing I wasn't great at. So my parents flew me out to Calgary because I have a family friend there who's a denturist. And I learned from him in one week so much that thanks to him, I, I honestly passed that portion of my exam. Yeah. Some random lab marked my work. And once we, we were called into the college afterwards and we had to crush our work. So we weren't allowed to take it home. Oh my God, why? So nobody else could use it? I guess so, which is strange because every year they change the exam. So if I did a a central and a three unit bridge for the crown and bridge portion, the next year it would be like a molar and a, I don't know, a three unit central bridge, whatever. It would would be something completely different. But they called me in and the manager of of CDTO, which is the the college that governs us, she gave me a hammer (laughs) and she's like, destroy your work. That's so that's, weird. That's such a heartbreaker. Ugh. It was. It was fun, though. It was kind of fun. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to take that work back to my dad anyway. I don't think he would have oh, been okay. happy with it. <laughs> so I put that three-unit bridge on the floor, and I crushed it with a hammer. She gave me safety goggles and all. And then she gave me, like, pliers, and I had to destroy my, my denture work, too. Wow. That is so yeah. strange. Yeah. But it, it was fun. But it was it, it was a little heartbreaking, a little fun. Yeah. Here's for the last three years. Whack, whack. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) I took out all my anger in that moment. Exactly. 
I can see where I would do that too. <laughs> we had to do like an ortho appliance as well. So I had to destroy that. We had to do a wax up for cast partials. So I had to destroy that model as well, yeah. which I was really proud of that. Cast partials was one, I think one of my best classes. I was really good at waxing up. I was kind of sad to crush that because it was some of my best work. But the three-unit bridge, I wasn't sad about. Yeah. I crushed it. It is so strange. They make you destroy all your work. Mm, well, it is, but it isn't, I guess. I guess. Yeah. You can't cheat that way, right? <laughs> exactly. You can't. I know. I get it. But it's like a bummer. I would think you'd want to save something from school and be like, this is what I did back then. Oh, I recently found some old dentures that I made in school. I'll post them probably on Instagram at some point, but man, are they embarrassing. It, oh my God. We all have to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> Just looking back at it, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing great indentures and I was always wondering why, like, oh, they can't be that bad. But looking back, hindsight really is 2020. Mm. <laughs> Those dentures are awful. I'm, I'm, I have to, I have to show you guys at some point. <laughs> so after school, you said you went to a, another lab. A non-family lab. Oh no, it was during school that uh, I had to. Uh, okay. I had to do half a semester at a different lab, just kind of learn what it's like to be in a lab. Sure. And I, I explained to them, I'm like, I I know what it's like to be in a lab, but it's, it was part of the program, right? So yeah, it was another Crown and Bridge lab, and so you did ceramics there also. Yeah. Okay. She did Crown and Bridge, and she also did dentures. So I kind of learned a little of everything. Uh-huh. My dad's lab is a little bit more niche, but she did a little bit of everything. So she taught me kind of some stuff that I was missing. So I was thankful for that too. My dad always wants to send me even now to another lab to maybe bring me down a peg. <laughs> he keeps saying, I'm going to talk to someone. I want to send you to work in another lab for a month. I don't know why he hates me, but... <laughs> I don't know why he wants that for me, but he's he's always talking about that. It's good to see the grass on the other side, you know? Yeah, yeah. maybe that's why. Because I've been in the same laboratory my whole life. I've never worked in another lab except for the one that my dad founded, ever. So wow. I can see where he would want maybe a taste of, you know, what other people are doing and maybe just learning, you know, another way, you know, just like more life experience. It sounds mm -hmm. like he's a pusher. That's for he sure. is. He is motivator, not a in the best yeah. way. In the best yeah, way. motivator is the word I should use. So. Mm -hmm. And with school, also, we were in a newly built campus right on Lakeshore in downtown Toronto, but apparently, so there used to be an old campus. It's still around, but that's where the dental technology program was at a mm -hmm. different George Brown campus, right next to Casaloma, which is like this huge historic castle right in the middle of downtown Toronto. Wow. So the professors would tell us about the ghosts, like they would tell us ghost stories. See, I don't know how true this is because it doesn't make much sense, but <laughs> apparently the dental technology program was in the basement of that school. Hmm. Of course. Yeah, makes sense. So, right, like basement dwellers. But yeah. it made no sense because zero lights, zero windows. <laughs> But they would tell us ghost stories. And that kind of reminds me of like lab ghosts. Do you guys have lab ghosts? I don't, I, does that make sense? Like, yes, it yes, does. it totally yeah. does. We always yeah. said we had them here because I would come in on the weekends and it would be super quiet and you would just hear yeah. like little things. And yes, we totally do. I swear. Yeah. That's how you blame all the gold was missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Like the lab ghosts would like steal your stuff. They move yep. case pans around, shut the steamer and the compressor on and off. They would knock crowns out of your hands and send them flying into the fucking nether. You would never <laughs> find it. You might as well just start waxing again. Yeah. Uh, I'm always saying our floors in the lab are an A2 color. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so God forbid you actually have an A2 crown. It's done. You might as yeah. well just start waxing again. Yeah. Are you part of the hiring process? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Are you taking over the business? Are you learning that side of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the plan. That's the plan. Excellent. I don't just do porcelain work in the lab. Uh, I only really post porcelain work on Instagram, but I do a whole lot more. I kind of just fill in wherever I need to be. So like I'll trim and seed zirconias or uh, stain and glaze full zirconias when they come in. I can wax and press Emacs, uh, waxing and trimming implants, abutments. I do a lot of the ordering too. Mm-hmm. So I order implants and supplies, porcelain. Uh, I do a lot of invoicing. I don't do statements yet. My mom doesn't quite trust me with that because that's like <laughs> a whole process. Yeah. But I do invoicing yeah. and packing and receiving cases. I'm usually on phone duty. So if you call the lab, you'll either get me or my dad. We always answer the phone. We don't have receptionist or anything. So we're always on everything. Scanning and designing also. We use three shape. Nice. And that was one of the first things I learned. I had a, a close friend who he's also a porcelain technician. Right before I started school back in uh, 2014, he taught me the basics. In about eight hours, he taught me the basics of scanning and designing cases. And I kind of took it from there. And when I went to school, my parents were nervous because we at the time couldn't find a competent (laughs) technician to do that kind of work. Like it it wasn't, it wasn't as easy or it's not easy even now, but back then it was also really hard. Sure. So after school, I had to take two buses and a subway to and from school. It was about an hour and a half trip one way. Oh, geez. So I, yeah, after school, I would travel to the lab and I would scan and design cases into the night. Jeez. Yeah. Now you sound like your father at this point. Remember you said you didn't want to go into it because of those long days? Yeah, yeah. And then there I am sitting with him (laughs) until midnight. Yeah, that's amazing though. I liked scanning and designing. I liked knowing something that my dad didn't <laughs> i like having that over him right because he's such a smart ass. he knows everything right he he praises himself all the time of being an excellent technician he wasn't always this confident right yeah. but he is a, an excellent technician but i liked having that over him like oh you can't send out cases without me but <laughs> over time i got busier at school and I started forcing him to sit and I would teach him. And he was so against it. Yeah. At, in the Right in the beginning, mm-hmm. obviously the older generation, it was difficult for them to kind of integrate into digital dentistry. So I kept calling him over, like, just come, let me show you how to design. No, I don't have time. I'm busy. And he would like run off and, and like make a model. Why are you making models? Come and sit down. You don't need to. We have a model person for that. <laughs> I was chasing him around the lab and telling him, please sit down. You need to learn this. You need to know this. Since then, he has triple lapped me. He knows so much more than me now. He's found his own settings that have like this perfect fit, perfect margins. His design, he spends so much time and he puts so much care into his designs so that we're not struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of labs, they don't care. They make copings, for example, they'll design a coping with absolutely no support. You have to put yeah. like four millimeters of porcelain. Yeah, for sure. That's not going to work. That's going to crack in the mouth. It's, it's a complete write-off. Or the, the opposite, uh, I uh, talk to technicians here where they say, you know, they get these huge copings that have absolutely no room for porcelain. So they have to sit there and grind and inhale all of this dust and they have to spend a lot of time grinding just to start their porcelain work, which is in itself, it's it's just terrible because if you're per unit and you're sitting and not even doing porcelain, but you're grinding and doing the job that they should have done for you, it's devastating. 
because you sit until midnight. And you spend your whole day being pissed off because you're losing all that money. You're doing somebody else's work and you just, mm-hmm. it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then Somewhere. you like start in the lab, right? You yeah. go up to them and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you yeah. doing this? And then mm-hmm. they get offended because it's, how are you going to talk about someone else's work? Yeah. Even if they don't put any effort into it, they have a whole lot of pride. Oh yeah, of course. So that's kind of how fights start in the lab. That's how bad blood is formed. And my dad puts a lot of time and energy into designing his cases. Now that's his section. Uh, actually, he's a big fan of your memes, Elvis. <laughs> oh, I bet he is. They're so yeah. smart. He's a big fan and he didn't really get the correlation because I talked to you through Instagram and he, he sees your memes through Facebook. Yeah. So he would show me these memes. I'm like, yeah, dad, I already saw that. three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dad, I saw that. That was so three hours ago, dad. Exactly. It's dead. It's dead, dad. But he's always laughing or he'll take a screenshot and send it to me like, oh, this is so funny. This is so relevant. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I told him I'm going to be on the podcast, he kind of looked at me blankly. He's like, who's Elvis? I'm like, the the meme guy. The guy guy you're always sending me. Are you kidding me? Voices from the bench. It's the meme guy. Huge fan. He was very excited for me. Nice. So how does he feel about your ceramic work now? Do you love like taking your cases to him or is he still hard on you? He's still hard on me, but again, it's only to help me improve, but he, he's very proud of me now. Like he sees a huge improvement, huge improvement from even from last year, ever since I started photographing my work and putting it on Instagram and I was getting like constructive criticism, but again, that's amazing. And I started learning and I started wanting to show my best. And when I was started experimenting with different Ivoclar porcelains, he kind of saw my passion and uh, he got really excited about it. And I started staying later in the lab and he's like, ah, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> you finally made it. That's cool. He's really proud of me now. He sees a huge improvement and I give a lot of credit to dental photography for that. Well, let me ask you about that. Yeah. Your pictures on Instagram are phenomenal. Wow, thank you. Unbelievable. How did you learn it? What's your setup? Is it all done with an old iPhone 4 or something? And <laughs> Before my mom did finances for the lab, she was actually a professional photographer by trade. And she has... Really? Yeah. She has over 30 wow. years of experience. And she's a huge Canon fan. So it only made sense for me to follow in her footsteps uh, when it comes to equipment. So she passed down one of her older cameras to me when I first showed an interest in dental photography. And once I realized I was obsessed with the hobby, I later bought my own camera. So I shoot with a Canon EOS Rebel SL2, which is a super entry-level DSLR camera. Okay. In my opinion, uh, the body of the camera isn't what's important. It's the lenses and all of the accessories you add onto it. Interesting. Along with the SL2, I also got a 35 millimeter Canon macro lens. And it has a built-in flash, which is what attracted me to it, besides the, the price, which was, for Canon, really reasonable. And recently, I decided to upgrade and I purchased a 100 millimeter lens. So... As of this recording, I haven't used it yet. Still kind of sitting pretty in the box, but I think it's going to really add that extra beauty to the photography because it'll capture every little detail, every little hair (laughs) on each (laughs) tooth, every little black speck will be visible. Are you going to be able to see like atoms? uh... (laughs) I haven't used it yet, but I hope not. (laughs) I hope it's not that extreme. That's insane. Yeah. When I first started, I actually bought an external ring flash too. I didn't like it too, too much. 
personally, just because there wasn't much customization when it came to light. Mm -hmm. So I purchased a macro twin light. So that's basically lights come from either side and you can play with it and adjust it. You can turn those lights away if you want the picture a little bit darker. You can move them up and down if you want the light to come from different angles. So it's very user-friendly and there's a lot more customization to it. So people message me all the time asking what I prefer between a a ring light or a twin light and 100% it's the twin light. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make that investment, I think that will make your pictures really pop. Yeah. So I invested quite a bit into my camera equipment, but my general setup is pretty cheap. So I bought black bristle board from the dollar store for my background. Mm-hmm. And recently on Amazon, I bought a rotating cake stand. I like cake. I, I do too. And but I, I'm using it for teeth, but I like cake. And my process before was basically I would hold the model. So it would make sometimes for a blurry picture because my hand is shaking try not to like drop it. Uh-huh, yeah. And when I edit together pictures into like a collage, it's kind of awkward because sometimes I take pictures way too close or way too far. So it, it's just awkward looking. So the cake stand, it helps because you put your model in the same spot all the time and you just rotate it. So the pictures, no matter how many you take, will be from a similar distance. What's the cake stand? Is it a mirror? Is it reflective? No, it's just literally, I think it's metal, but it's not reflective. It's just uh, a rotating metal stand. But I did for reflection, I did get a black piece of acrylic plexiglass. And that gives it that reflective quality when you put the the crowns or the model on it. Mm -hmm. That helps a lot. Do you keep your camera on a stand? I do on a tripod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have a a general uh, just basic tripod from Amazon. So my process is pretty complicated. So my SL2 camera has a Bluetooth setting. Mm -hmm. I'll take a thousand pictures. I'll import them all into my phone. I'll sit there for hours picking favorites and just favoriting them into a different file on my phone. And then if I ever do any small edits, it's only for exposure. So the flash, even though I, I highly recommend it, I'm still not nearly as experienced as I want to be. So a lot of the time when I take a picture, the flash will be way too bright. So you'll lose all of the details of the restoration. You'll lose the contrast. Yeah, it washes it out. Exactly. Or it'll be way too dark. So you don't see that separation between the denton and the incisal porcelain. Mm-hmm. So I'll adjust the exposure accordingly, just based on how badly I messed up with the flash. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I don't use any editing softwares, no like Photoshop, n- nothing like that. All my work is what it is, is what it is. So sometimes there's like a corner that's just too long or somewhere it's too short or somewhere it's too bulky, but I, I like showing the honesty of dentistry. Yeah. And like I was saying, we are our own worst critics and we look back at this work and it kills me sometimes like, oh, that mesial corner. I just needed to trim it. Why didn't I trim it? But I like showing that that honesty. I like showing that it's not perfect, that teeth, a lot of the time, they're sisters, not twins. Yes, I agree. That's great. And you refuse to Photoshop that hair out. No, refuse. You just won't do it. It is what it is. I don't know. It's a hairy tooth. What up? It's a hairy tooth. It, it has character. It's okay. <laughs> and all these are real cases. You're not doing this for photos. Yeah. Well, some of them. If they're not a real case, I will write that in the caption. Like this was just like a practice case. Oh, or, okay. Uh, yeah. 
Right. Uh, maybe a few of them, like the obviously the dental roots, like the porcelain roots that I do. They're just oh, for sure. experimenting. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Yeah. They're just for experimenting. And there's there's a couple of kind of porcelain projects, as I call them. They're just art projects that I had a little extra time or a free Saturday or something where I would just go in and just play with porcelain. So I really, really want to learn Ivo Clark porcelain to its core because my my dad chose it because it's beautiful in the mouth, right? He saw lots of patients, but also because it's low fusing. So mm-hmm. even when yeah. cases come back, we can easily add a contact. We can easily yeah. add a, a margin without worrying. So like Noritake porcelain, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It, there's so many effects, but because it's high fusing, the, the chances of it cracking are higher. Yeah, agree. Barb, you're a big Ivoclar user, aren't you? Yeah, that's yeah, all that's I use. Nice. Yep. Oh, yeah. And we have like all Ivo Clark furnaces and we use their Emacs ingots and all that. So yep. you guys are the same? Yep. Sure are. Completely agree. I love it. I give a lot of credit to my improvement from dental photography for sure. And uh, sometimes I'll take a photo and I'll see something that I didn't see in my hands, right? Especially because I use a macro lens. Mm-hmm. I'll see like a little, a little, something's a little off and I'll fix it and it'll just make it that much better. And even when I get constructive criticism online, I welcome it all the time because it just makes me a better technician. If you take the time to tell me what I did wrong, like kudos, honestly, it's, you're making me better. And thank you for all the support too. There's a lot of people in my comments that are super supportive and they're kind of pushing me forward too. I want to prove that I can be among you guys, right? So, (laughs) Well, you are, that's for sure. I see on Instagram that you went to Japan. What's that all about? I did, I did. I took took a four week course with uh, Katoka Sensei Uh, which was an amazing experience. So I was introduced to Osaka Ceramic Training Center, so OCTC, by taking a course with Alec Aronin, who is a pretty well-known ceramic technician here in in Toronto. At the time, then, I was a baby technician. I barely had any practice with porcelain. I had no love for the craft yet, no passion. But when Alec told me about it, you know, you you go to Japan, you take a four-week course, you do carving, you learn anatomy, morphology. That's when you really get a sense of what the tooth should look like. It's not just a square. We call them chiclets, kind of like a piece of gum. Sure, yeah. You have to know all of the shadows and the lights and the, the curvature, and that's really where you learn it. So they had a really big wait list from what we heard. Because I had a few people tell me about it. I, I asked them about it and they said, you know, we've been waiting for two or three years to get accepted. We keep being put on a wait list. So I thought, okay, I'm a baby technician. I don't know much, but I'm going to apply anyway because mm-hmm. I'm stubborn like that. Sure. And so I applied. I wrote them an email. I had super low expectations, but I wrote them an email saying, you know, hey, I'm, my name is Danny. I would love to come and learn your technique. I would love to come for you to show me what it's like to really have the discipline and the determination to be the best in your craft. So I applied for this course, not thinking anything of it. And within a week, I got a response saying that I was accepted for the January 2020 course. This was March of 2019. And I was going out in January of 2020, be done sometime in mid-February. Wasn't there a pandemic going on during all this? Right. So I came back to Canada literally a few weeks before they closed the borders. Oh my gosh. Wow. You got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I I almost got stuck in Japan, which isn't the worst thing. No. Yeah. I was, uh, I think they locked us down mid-March or something. So I came back just a few weeks before that. 
I don't know why I was chosen. A lot of people are in my DM saying, how did you get accepted? How, what did you do? I didn't do anything. I just wrote an email. I just told them that I really wanted to be there. And for whatever reason, uh, they accepted me. So I was there repping Canada. There was three other international students, all from across Europe. It was also a full-time school. So at the time when we were there, we were only there for four weeks, but there was Japanese students there that were there full-time for, I don't know how long their course is, a year or two or whatever it is. And I remember when I got that email, I was absolutely terrified because I have never been so far away from home. I've never been away from my family or from the lab for so long. Mm. And Kataoka Sensei in the ceramist community is considered like a god. And 23-year-old Danny was not ready to meet God. Not yet. (laughs) I had my whole life ahead of me. I was not ready for this. We were also, you know, emotionally and physically and financially, we were not prepared for being accepted. We thought, oh, two, three years, maybe I'll be accepted. Yeah. So I flew out there and it was a huge culture shock. I'm sure you hear how the working community in Japan, how they work like, 18-hour days, like it's completely normal. They have a very tough work culture. But I didn't really feel it until I was there. Mm -hmm. Once I was there, I saw not only the people, but the student life. They were determined. They were hardworking. They were extremely talented for their age, especially. And they were extremely humble. So their work was way beyond any seasoned technician that I've met here. Hmm. Years and years beyond. But they were so humble. They were always ready to learn. They were always ready to better themselves. Most of all, they were disciplined. And those were all traits I was lacking as a person and as a technician, right? So they were working long hours and putting in 100% because that was the societal norm there. And we had this daily schedule where we came in and as a classroom, we, we cleaned. We cleaned the whole class before we started. We did an hour of carving in the mornings, and then we had lots of projects. So Katoka Sensei would teach us, I think we, we did a three-unit bridge, and I was very pleasantly surprised that they were also using Ivoclar porcelain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I was the only one in the international group that was using uh, Ivoclar porcelain. So I was really pleasantly surprised. And we did a three-unit bridge. We also did one project where we did a central and we did a veneer. So we had to like match the color and the shape and the depth and everything using two completely different thicknesses and two different techniques. We also did one project where Wakita Sensei taught us, it was another uh, professor there, and he taught us this uh, Emacs carving. So he gave us a model with this huge block of Emacs. Uh, It was like, I don't even know, like 10 millimeters thick at least. And we had to sit there and carve out this tooth and match the adjacent central perfectly, having been given this huge block of Emacs with margins, essentially. Wow. That was a great project. It was a lot of fun. I learned a whole lot from it. And the one thing I noticed, I would run out at 4 p.m. when the class ended because I'm in Japan. I want to explore. I want to see different cities. I want to eat the food. I want to experience the culture. But I noticed the Japanese students were there earlier than me, and they stayed way later than me. And that kind of opened my eyes. That is the culture. Like if you want to be the best, you have to put your all into it. You have to put your whole life into it. So I started staying later. Even when I went back to my apartment, I would sit there and carve. So my hands were like super muscular by the time I was done (laughs) after four weeks. 
I had like Hulk hands. <laughs> and when I came back to Canada, I was a little more experienced, but a whole lot more determined. So besides dental photography, like I was mentioning, really this course helped me. It opened my eyes and kind of changed and shifted my perspective, my attitude more that you have to work the hours and you have to put in your all in order to be someone in this community. So I have a lot of respect for them. And I'm really grateful that I got to experience this course. But if anyone has any questions about it, you're always free to uh, DM me on Instagram. I, I'm always happy to answer any questions about it. I, I get messages all the time. Mostly people like, how did you get in? What did you do? Who did you bribe? <laughs> Who do you know? <laughs> Who do you know? Absolutely no one. I'm, but I'm happy to help and answer any questions if anyone has any. That's awesome. Would you do it again? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I wish I could do it again because going in again with the attitude I have now, I think I would do even better. And I think I would absorb more and learn more, even more than I did then as a baby technician with a lost baby technician. Sure. So for sure, I would do it again. And I would recommend it to anybody because it, even if you don't improve your skills, you'll definitely improve your viewpoint yeah. and uh, your attitude. Yep. Yeah. It's a definite mind shift. That's cool. Yeah. Before we sign off, what is your Instagram? Let's get people to check this out because this is some beautiful stuff. My Instagram is toothmaker. So it's like the number two, uh, T-H and then maker underscore. Awesome. Toothmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody go check it out. It's beautiful stuff. I love it. I've been checking it out all through our conversation. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Well, Danny, we appreciate you. Thank you. That was a great story. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's awesome. I appreciate you guys uh, listening and inviting me on. I, I, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the nice thing is, is hopefully we'll see you in Chicago. Yeah. As long as they don't close the borders, I'm there. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can meet. Well, dogs are ready. <laughs> oh, okay. They're ready to go. They're, yep. they're sick of my voice. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Whitmix is pleased to add the Vericast OS, a burnout pattern print resin, to Whitmix's growing Veribrand resin offering. Vericast OS works with LCD and DLP printers in both 385 and 405 nanometer wavelengths. It prints accurate and detailed crowns, bridges, substructures, and RPD frameworks. It's durable and leaves no ash or residue. Since it burns out cleanly, Vericast OS is ideal for investment casting and ceramic pressing. For optimal results, we recommend the Whitmix Resin Vest, which is a phosphate investment made specifically for burning out printed or milled resin patterns. Visit Whitmix.com to learn more about the Vericast OS or any of Whitmix's other 3D print resins. A huge thanks to Danny for coming on our podcast to tell us about your journey from wannabe hairdresser to future lab owner. We have now heard from a few technicians, Elvis, that attended the course in Japan to learn about morphology, and I'm beginning to think someone needs to teach it here in the U.S. Hey, maybe that person is me. There you go. Be sure to follow Danny on Instagram to see all of her amazing work, the number two TH maker underscore, and to see what a great photograph looks like when you use just the right lighting and equipment thanks danny that's all we got for you we'll talk to you next week have a good one bye bye
photographering? Is that a word? Photographing. 